morning, afternoon, or evening for wherever you may be joining us from today. Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. in 1 Kings today, and I believe God has got some things he wants to speak to Life Church through his word. 1 Kings chapter 10, we're going to read three verses, verses 14 through 17. It says, each year Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. Think about that. Each year, everybody say each year. This did not include the additional revenue he received from merchants and traders, all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, each weighing more than 15 pounds. He also made 300 smaller shields of hammered gold, each weighing nearly four pounds. The king placed these shields in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. That's what the New Living says. King James says, in the house of Lebanon. It was like a summer palace or a summer house for King Solomon. And that's where he hung his 500 shields of gold. Not at the main palace. It's at the house of Lebanon palace. The guy was wealthy. Filthy rich, as they would say. Jumping down to 1 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25. Solomon's no longer king, but his son Rehoboam is now king. It says, in the fifth year of King Rehoboam's reign, King Shishak of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem. He ransacked the treasures of the Lord's temple and the royal palace. He stole everything. Someone say everything. everything. Including all the gold shields Solomon had made. King Rehoboam later replaced them with bronze shields as substitutes. And he entrusted them to the care of the commanders of the guard which protected the entrance to the royal palace. And whenever the king went to the temple of the Lord, the guards would also take the shields, the bronze shields, bring them out, and then return them to the guard room. I'm going to speak for a moment today to Luke, the graduate, but really to all of us. We need to fight for the gold. Look at someone and say, fight for the gold. We can't settle for substitutes. We can't get comfortable with the substitutes. we got to always fight for the gold. Let's pray over this today. Jesus, God, I thank you for your word. I pray that, God, your word would speak clearly, God, to our hearts and our minds right now. 
God, help us to take the things of God seriously. Help us to take the treasures, God, that you've given us seriously, God, and not to take it, God, for granted. God, we're going to fight for, God, genuine things. We're going to fight for authentic things, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Someone say, in Jesus' name. God bless you as you are seated. Of course, we're talking here about King Solomon and King Rehoboam, but really before King Solomon and King Rehoboam, there was another king by the name of King David. And King David was a collector. How many like to collect things? A couple people. How many do not like to collect things? All right, a few of you. I like to collect things. I don't collect a lot of things, but when I travel to different parts of the world in a new place, I like to bring something home that represents a memento that's not junk from that place. I have gone on trips before and I bought a lot of junk. I'm no longer buying junk on trips. I'd rather buy something of value that's small that represents that country or that place than to buy a whole lot of stuff that's junk. Amen? King David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. He had won so many victories. He was a warrior. And I don't know for sure if in the palace there was a man cave or not. But I, I think that David probably had a man cave in the palace. Perhaps there was a bear rug on the floor. A memento of a victory that he once had. Perhaps the art of taxidermy was in place in David's day and there was a, a stuffed lion in the corner. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just imagining. He was a warrior. Maybe he had a collection of slings on the wall. But there was a special sling that he would always point out and say, this is the one that was used. You know, the Bible does let us know that eventually he was able to get Goliath's sword. I'm not sure how he displayed Goliath's sword in the man cave, but I'm sure that that was a treasure that he would have in the palace. David was a warrior. David was a conqueror. David defeated many different kings along the way. And I'm not sure, I'm just imagining today, perhaps he had a collection of king's crowns in the man cave. He wanted to build this temple for God, but God says, no, you cannot build it. So David was the one who took it upon himself to collect all the items that the next king would have to, have to have to make it so that the temple was built with intricate things like gold and silver. He collected all of that. He collected the wood. He collected all the elements that were needed for Solomon to build a beautiful house for God, the temple. David, his reign is done King Solomon comes onto the scene, and King Solomon, he, he inherits everything that David had. David was wealthy. David had a lot of stuff. 
And so King Solomon gets it all. It's just given to him. Plus, the Bible says in our reading today that he received annually a lot of gold. Part of the revenue of being king, he received 25 tons of gold. I don't know if you know the value of gold today, but in today's dollars, let me just break it down for you. This is the annual income for King Solomon. One ounce of gold today, I looked it up earlier this week, is about 1,856 U.S. dollars. One ounce. Annually, he got how many tons? 25 tons of gold. Well, I had to do some research. 25 tons of gold is 800,000 ounces of gold. 800,000 times 1,856 is approximately 1.5 billion, with a B, dollars a year of income. How many would like to have that kind of income coming your way? Uh, Every hand goes up in the building. David takes some of the gold that he has received, and the Bible says, it tells us, it, it, it tells us the measurements. I'm not going to go back and rehearse the men- measurements. But he builds 200 large shields of gold, hammered gold. And, and with the, the measurements, when you do the math, one of the large gold shields would be worth about $218,000 U.S. He had 200 of them. For a total value of those 200, about $43 million in large gold shields. He had 300 small shields, and it tells us the weight of those. And and if you were to do the math, each one of the small shields would weigh, whatever whatever it is, but would cost $109,000. So the total value of the 300 small shields came to about $33 million. You add the $43 million of the large and the, the $33 million of the small, you get 500 shields worth $77 million. That's a lot of money. I don't care who you are. And this didn't... These shields didn't find their way to the king's palace, no, in Jerusalem. This, the shields were kept in the resort palace or the summer palace, the, the one that we go to a couple of weeks a year palace. And the, the, I, I don't know that they hung on the wall. I'm imagining that they hung on the wall in the house of Lebanon. Now, Those of you that don't know this, maybe you do. Gold, it's not really the typical metal that you would use for shields. Gold is a heavy substance. It's not very practical when it comes to going into war with a gold shield. They're heavy. The last thing you want is a heavy shield. Plus, gold is soft in nature. 
And, and that means that maybe a spear or a dart might go through the gold because of its soft nature. So really, these shields were not intended for battle. These shields were really to be on display at state ceremonies. They were things that you would bring out for, for those high times in the nation. They, they were breathtakingly beautiful. They were ornate. They, they symbolized the power and the majesty of what God had done for King David and King Solomon. King David, as I said, he was a warrior king. He was a warrior by nature. He started out being a warrior at a very young age when he took down Goliath. And he was a warrior throughout his life. Without fail, he was a warrior. The bear, the lion, Goliath, kings, peoples, he was a warrior. King Solomon, he liked to think he was a warrior because he was trying to follow in his daddy's footsteps. But he was not a proven warrior because the Bible says that during the reign of King Solomon, the country was at peace, not like it was when King David was at reign. So 40 years David reigned, and then 40 years Solomon reigns. And then we get to the grandson by the name of Rehoboam. The Bible says that Solomon's son, Rehoboam, assumed the throne and reigned for 17 years. He inherited all of the wealth. He inherited all of the gold. He inherited all the riches in the temple, in the Lord's house, and the stuff that was housed back at the house of Lebanon, the summer place. He inherited it all. And what took years to acquire by King David and King Solomon, the Bible says in the fifth year of the reign of Rehoboam, there was a king that comes into town and takes away it all. Gone. You see, the backside of the story is Rehoboam did not follow after the Lord. As you get to look at the life of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the Bible says, forsook the ways of the Lord. Rehoboam forsook the ways of his fathers and his grandfather. And, and this got God upset. This got God a little mad because Rehoboam, the Bible says, would build altars that other people in his kingdom would come and worship at, and these were not altars to the one true and living God. He would provoke the people to sin. The Bible says he built altars in every high place. Think about it. This is Rehoboam. This is the grandson of King David, the son of King Solomon, and he's building altars to false gods in every high hill. 
The Bible says also he built altars under every green tree. Wherever he could look, he found a place and built an altar to a God that didn't hear him. And this provoked the Almighty God. And so because of his rebellion against God Almighty, the Bible says that God stirs up a king from Egypt, King Shishak. And King Shishak decides that he's going to go, and he takes about 1,200 chariots and 60,000 footmen, and they're going up against the city of Jerusalem. They're going to go for the gold. They're going to go for the things and the treasures that are there in the palace and in the house of God. Egypt. In the word of God, Egypt is always considered a type of the world. Think about it. Here you have the king of Egypt coming into God's place. And Rehoboam, who is now king, allows Egypt, allows the type of the world to come into the temple and to strip the temple and to strip the house of God of every treasure that was there. Egypt, the type of the world, King Shishak comes in and begins to take the things that had been dedicated to God. And Rehoboam just lets him walk right in. There's like there's no resistance with Rehoboam. He, he, he comes into the temple and he, he ransacks, the Bible says, the temple. And Rehoboam opens the door to his house and he comes into the palace and he steals all the, of his inheritance. Everything of value was taken. And eventually he gets to the summer palace, the house of Lebanon. And the Bible says that King Shishak took every single one of the golden shields. I want to tell this church today that there's a spirit in this world that would like to come and steal treasures from the house of God. There's a spirit of Egypt that's in its world that would like to come into God's church and the homes of God's people and would like to steal the treasures, the holy treasures, would like to steal from my house and from your house the things that we've dedicated to God. I believe there's some treasures in this place that the spirit of the Egypt, the spirit of the world would like to come in and would like to steal right out from under our noses. But we cannot be people that are quick to just open the door. We cannot be people that are quick to just say, come right on in. Just lay, We're going to lay down and let you take whatever you want. We can't be people that are like that. We're going to be willing to fight for our gold. We're going to be willing to fight to protect our treasures. We're going to be willing to fight to protect the things that we've dedicated to Almighty God. There should be a fight. There should be a challenge. We cannot just lie down and let the enemy walk into our lives and walk into our homes and steal from us the things that God has given us that are treasures in our lives. Everybody said amen. We need a fight for gold.
Bible says King Shishak took all. You mean to say he took every, He took it all. He went to the house of Lebanon, the summer palace. He took the 500 shields worth $77 million. He took them all. So Rehoboam, he's not living for God. He's really forsaking God. He's encouraging the people to follow after other gods. He's making lots of opportunities on every high hill and under every tree to worship gods that will not hear. So how does Rehoboam respond to the reaction that he has just lost everything of value in the temple, in his palace, and the summer house? You know, Rehoboam has got to keep up appearances, you know. He's the king. Gold shields are gone. Oh, well, um, maybe we got to do something about that. We, we, got, we, can't, we can't look like we don't get any more gold shields. And so he instructs the people there to, to create and craft some brass shields to be hung in place of the gold shields. I want to tell someone here today that maybe you don't know this, but brass is no substitute for gold. Gold has much more value than brass. Check that out when you get out of service, the value of brass and the value of gold. You know, because gold is a precious metal. There's a purity to gold. There's a value to gold. Brass is simply a, a combination of two different metals, copper and zinc. It's an alloy. And, and they call it artificial gold. It's pretend gold. But it's not gold. It's only brass. So in, in Kings 14, 1 Kings 14, Rehoboam substitutes, and I want you to point at someone and say substitutes. Rehoboam substitutes brass for gold. He had substitute shields created. Now, I'm sure not everybody in the kingdom knew that the shields were now made of brass. Yes, there would have been a few that would have known. But I don't think that everybody that was in the, the land knew that the brass was, was just brass and not gold. But the king's guards knew because every time they would bring them out, they would say, these aren't gold. They might look like gold, but gold's a whole lot heavier than these. But Rehoboam was trying to keep up appearances. He was trying to make it look like everything was the same. You know, brass shields are brass shields. They're shields. Same function, but brass is not gold. It's not authentic. It might impress people at the ceremonies. You know, from a distance, they, they tell me, I don't know this for sure, but they tell me that when the sun hits a brass shield from a distance, it looks like gold. So Rehoboam had the ability to the untrained eye. 
He, he was able to make it look like everything was a-okay in the palace. But up close was where you could tell the difference. A couple points for you today, and I'm, I'm almost done. Here, here's some things that I want you to get. Three different points. We must, first of all, we must fight for gold. What, what does that mean today? How do we fight for gold? Number one, we must guard our hearts and our homes against the enemy's attack. You say, how do I fight for gold? You have to guard your heart. Everybody say, my heart. And everybody say, my home. You've got to guard your heart and your home against the attack of Satan. Because the Bible lets us know he does not want you to serve him. He's going to come against you. He doesn't want your family to serve God. He doesn't want you to live for God. He's going to come and do whatever he can because he's going to steal anything of value that's in your house. Proverbs 3, 4 and 23 says this. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above, what's it say? All else. Above everything else in this world, guard your heart. Don't let the enemy come into your heart and your mind and your spirit and steal from you. There's some truths in God's word that have been planted in your heart. Don't let some confusion come in from the enemy. Don't let some deceivingness come in from the enemy. The enemy's going to try to come in. He's going to try to deceive. He's going to try to steal. He's going to try to destroy, the Bible says. John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. But the Bible says, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The devil would like to come and steal your relationship with God. That thing of value, that thing where, where you've had a relationship and a genuine touch of God in your life. You've been living for God. You've been walking with God. The devil would like to bring some event, some action, some, some offense to come into your life and steal that relationship that you have with God. Get you focused on the wrong things. Get you focused on the things of this world. I say today, we must make sure that we are on guard for our heart. We're on guard for our families. That we're not going to let the enemy come in and steal anything from us. We're going for the gold. The enemy would like to come in and steal your kids. I'm telling you. I've seen it happen so many times where the kids grow up in church and they go off to college and it's over. It's sad. We, we as parents, we as saints of God, we as aunts and uncles and friends, we got to make sure that we're not going to see our kids lose out with God. We're going to fight for the gold because their value. We've dedicated them to God a long time ago. And Luke O'Donnell, we're going to fight that you serve God and live for God all the days of your life. Grace O'Donnell, we're going to fight that God keeps his hand on your life and you're going to be a treasure and used for kingdom purposes. We're going to fight for truth. You know, the enemy would like to come and steal the truths of God's word, the doctrines you've been taught from this book. 
I want to tell you there's only one gospel, and it's worth fighting for. There's only one gospel, and it's worth dying for. The enemy would like to come and steal it from you, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm going to fight for the gold. And when we fight for the gold, Jesus promised us in John 10.10, we're going to have life, and we're going to have it more abundantly. And it's not just life in the next life, but it's in this life. We're going to have life and have it more abundantly. I thank God that we can guard our hearts and we can guard our minds and we can guard our families from the enemy's attack. Number two, we must fight for gold. And we cannot get comfortable with any substitute for gold. I, I cannot get comfortable with any substitute for the real deal. I, I cannot get comfortable going through the motions. I've got to have a relationship with God that's authentic. It doesn't matter what I look like. But it's got to be something that's real down in my heart. It's got to be something that's genuine. And you've got to have that too. Coming to church on a Sunday and sitting on the pew and raising your hand and singing a song doesn't do it. Don't get comfortable with just a few motions on a Sunday. It's got to be something that's real. You've got to fight for it. You've got to fight for the gold. I must protect the presence of God. I must protect the power and the glory of God in my life. You know, the enemy would like to take that from me. The enemy would like to come and steal my relationship and my walk with God. He will use whatever he can to take that from you. I've seen him do it. But I'm challenging us today. When the devil paints a beautiful picture when he entices you with what the world has to offer. It, it might look good on the outside, but I want to tell you when you look at the back of the picture, it's full of pain, it's full of heartache, it's full of unfulfillment. I want to tell you that's what the back of the picture looks like. I, I must fight for time in his presence and time in this book. I must fight for that relationship. That time in the altar. Now, of course, we're not coming to the altar, but I'm, you know what I'm talking about, where we build altars in our pew, and we build altars in our cars, and we build altars in our bedrooms where we get alone with God, and God speaks to us. That has got to be a priority. I can't be comfortable with anything but the real deal. And then finally... We must fight for gold. We must be cautious that our image is not more important than substance. Rehoboam, he worked hard to impress with the image. But if the truth be known, he lacked all kinds of substance. You know, we live in an image-conscious world. Image is so important. I've hit it before. I'm going to hit it again today. 
our social media image that we portray on Facebook, Instagram, and whatever places you might have your image out there. For the most part, it's a fabricated image. It's how we want to be perceived. Don't put that picture on because I don't look good in that picture. My hair's messed up. Don't, don't use that picture. Use this one. You know, we, we, we take the pictures and it's only the best image. I'm going to tell you it's fabricated for all to see. How is your image on social media? Does it really portray who you are? are? Are you really all that and a bag of chips, they would say? Really what I'm asking you to this today is this. How is your real relationship with God? That's all that really matters. As I said, you can come to church you can look the part. You can worship on cue. You can speak the Christianese that we speak. But the image doesn't necessarily mean that's who we are on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We, we bring our image all the time when we go out in public. But is that who you really are? What, what are you like in private? You know, Rehoboam, he, he was image conscious. The Bible says that every time he went to the temple of God, he would have the guards bring out those shields. I know they're not the real deal. I know they're just brass. I know they're not gold. But let's make it look like everything's okay for King Rehoboam. People won't know that I'm not living right. People won't know that my spiritual life is in shambles. As long as I look good on Sunday. As long as I look good when I get to life church. Maybe the pastor won't notice. Maybe the brother and sister won't, won't clue in that things are not right in my life. Rehoboam was making it look like to the people for those high time ceremonies. Everything's good. We still have 500 shields. They look like gold, don't they? But in reality, he was only sporting brass shields. It was all a show. Jesus had something to say for people. In Matthew 23, in verse 25, he talked to the Pharisees. This is what he said. That these were people that wanted to make it look like things were the way they were, but they really weren't. This is what Jesus said. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside, 
you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. I want to tell Life Church today that we must guard ourselves against anything that would be a substitute for the real thing. We must fight for gold. You know, Rehoboam, he didn't work for all the stuff that he'd inherited. King David and King Solomon, they had done a lot of effort to acquire all of that stuff that didn't cost Rehoboam anything. He walked into the kingship with all that gold and all those treasures in his house, in the summer house, in the temple. They were just his, but he didn't work for them. And after five years of reign, the Bible says that King Shishak came and took it all including the gold shields. As I mentioned earlier, Rehoboam reigned for 17 years. Think about it. Five years he reigned with gold shields taken. For 12 years, Rehoboam reigned with only brass shields. He was content for the image that everything was okay instead of the substance that life was good with God. I'm almost done, and I've said that, and I'm, I really am telling you the truth. We, we can't be content with substitutes. We can't be content with just having an image. we got to make sure we've got the substance to go along with it. I'm going to invite them to come back to the music. There were seven churches in the book of Revelation. One of the churches was Laodicea. Laodicea, the Bible says and tells us that basically they were a deceived church. They became, and it doesn't say they did this, but I'm adding this. They, they became content with brass shields with substitutes. Notice what Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17 says. It says, you say I am rich. Talking to the church. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. That's, that's, that's the deception that Laodicea had. I'm rich. I have everything. I don't need a thing. And, and the, the the angel to the church at Laodicea says, and you don't realize that you're wretched, that you're miserable, that you're poor and blind and naked. What, what a sad commentary for this church. They were deceived. Everything's okay. Comfortable being the way we are. We're thinking that, that everything's good. It looks like on the outside that we're good, but really we're not good. I want you to notice what it says in verse 18. This was so powerful when I saw this this week. It says, so I advise you to buy, what's it say? I can't hear you. So I advise you to buy gold from me. This is God speaking. 
gold that's been purified by the fire. He goes on to say some other great things there. God is offering gold. I don't know how it happens, but, but the Bible says we can buy or we can receive gold from God. I don't want you to let your brains think about this too much. God's not going to be giving you like physical gold, okay? But, but there's something to be said here. There's a point I want us to get. If we've been living a life with brass shields, today God's offering us. There's a trade that can happen. And you can take that brass shield and that facade and that fakeness and you can say, God, I'm tired of it. I don't want to live like that. I want to get back to the authentic. And the Bible says we can get gold from God. Everybody's standing. Sister Viv, put that last phrase on the screen there. This is no day for substitutes. This is no day for second best. This is no day for brass shields. Let's fight for the gold. Let's protect the gold. Let's go after the gold. Let's ask God to take our brass shields, our, our less than perfect ways, and say, God, I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to trade them in. And God, I'm looking for some gold today. Is that your prayer today? I want you to lift your hands in this place, and I want you to begin to talk to God. I believe God has spoken to someone's heart right now. I believe that God has challenged someone today, that you don't got to be satisfied with not having things the way they need to be with God. Don't be satisfied with substitutes. Don't get comfortable with something that's not the real deal. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, Jesus. God, oh God, I want you to begin to pray right now, church. I want you to begin to pray that God would convict you, that God would challenge your heart, that God would forgive us, that we don't want to live operating with second best or, or a, a facade. We want to make sure that our relationship is authentic with God. I want God, I want your power. God, I want your anointing. God, I want your presence in my life. God, I don't want to settle for anything else. God, I only want what's genuine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right. I believe God's beginning to touch someone right now. I believe there are people that are receiving the word of God right now. God, more of you. God, oh God, reality with you, God. A relationship with you, Jesus. God, I want to guard my heart against sin. I want to guard my heart against the enemy's attack. God, I don't want to be comfortable with a substitute. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message spoke into your life, your heart, or whatever situation you may be going through. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at lifechurch.ca on Instagram. And on Facebook, just search Life Church and you will find our navy blue logo with the letters LC in the middle. Now before you go, we ask if possible from whatever platform you may be listening to us on, give us a rating 
or a review, or even both, and share this message with someone so that they can be impacted by the gospel of the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your support and love you all. Have a wonderful week and God bless.